Uh, hi, I'm Nicholas Tamayo. I'm 26 years old, and I've been working in Stockton for over two years now. Um, I'm a farmer and a gardener, and I started working in Stockton as a garden coordinator. Um, when I took that job, um, I told some people, and uh, I'll never forget this, they told me that um, Stockton's great and all, but working in the valley will shed five years off your life. I asked about that, and it was because of the air quality. Um, and working in a garden for eight hours a day, you breathe all of that in. And um, I've definitely started feeling some of the effects of it right away, just with shortness of breath. So that's kind of where I'm coming at when we're talking about the air pollution in this city. Um, Star, can you introduce yourself and talk about your experience growing up in South Stockton? Hi, my name is Star. I'm 17 years old, and I grew up in South and East Side Stockton. Um, growing up, I seen like a lot of South and East Side Stockton having like a pollution pollution trace, such as like diesel trucks um, driving up and down the street, litter, and less tree cover. How has your family been directly affected by air pollution? Um. So growing up, when I, I was uh, eight, I had asthma, but I kind of grew out of it, I think, not really. But um, the person that has been most affected by asthma is my little niece. Um, in 2019, she had to go to the hospital two, three times a month in the summer because she would have asthma attacks. And she lives in South Side, South with my sister. Can you talk about how that experience both like with your own asthma and your, your niece's asthma you know how did that push you to do work around air quality issues so I graduated from Weber Institute and the whole reason why I applied to um, that school was to get into the health academy um, because I seen like the degrees of like health in a lot of, of my family members that live in South and East Side Stockton so um, my senior project was based around um, redlining and the main topic was my niece's asthma because like that was like the first I, I witnessed like her asthma attacks. What was that project? Like, like, um... What did you present on, you know, what, what was the, the stats that you were exploring and, and how was it received by your school? So um, the main focus was comparing South and Northside Stockton. Um, I currently live in Northside Stockton. So I also seen firsthand the difference in the, um, both communities. And um, for my school, they uh, all they had to do was like, I presented to the teachers and principals. So they just kind of approved the topic and I had, a, I had no limit to it. Can you talk a little bit more about the difference between Northside and Southside Stockton? Yeah, so when I was presenting to Stanford students, um, I had mentioned that in, in uh, South Stockton, it, um, 
I wouldn't see like older people walking their dogs as I do in North Side Stockton. Because you don't really see like people um, walking in the streets of South Side Stockton with their dogs or and try to enjoy their community. Yeah. Um, has your experience encouraged you to pursue a career in healthcare? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, um, I really have a like a passion into going to um, to school of nursing because I want to like help people, like how the nurses help my dad. So that pushed me a lot towards the medical field. Today we also have a special guest with us. Matt Holmes is the Environmental Justice Outreach, Co- Outreach Coordinator for Little Manila Rising, an organization on the front lines of uncovering and fighting to reverse the impacts of environmental racism here in South Stockton. Matt has many, many years of experience working with community-based organizations in growing environmental literacy among community members and youth in particular. Matt, thanks for coming down to talk with Star and I. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So can you share a little bit about what Little Manila Rising does and how it's how it got started um, to get involved in environmental and air quality issues? Yeah, yeah. It's a real honor to work for Little Manila Rising. You know, they, they started out with a, a really specific and narrow goal of historic preservation of a historically Filipino neighborhood. Uh, and the founders caught on real quick that you know, saving buildings without saving the people that lived in them or used to live in them um, was a pretty hollow achievement. So um, the city helped them realize this while designating historic districts and simultaneously signing demolition papers to destroy the neighborhoods they were pretending to um, preserve. So uh, Little Manila caught on that um, historic preservation was tied right in line with a history of racial inequality and the silencing of communities of color and their voices quickly shifted to uh, anti-racist work, mostly in the realm of education reform and pushing for ethnic studies uh, and pushing to make um, local students, you know, uh, make sure that local students understood their own local history. Our founders had to go off to UCLA and and San Francisco State to learn about Filipino history right here in Stockton. So they started focusing on all that work. Um, and, and dabbled a little bit in environmental justice, doing tree surveys. Um, but for a while there, uh, they were of the opinion that that was uh, a bridge too far and something of a mission drift that was distracting them from education reform and historic preservation. Uh, right up until the co-founder, Don Boholano Mabalan, uh, died at the age of 46 from an asthma-related incident while on vacation with their family. And so that was... a uh, personal and painful loss that really illustrated for the Little Manila community that um, we we could no longer be silent about the environmental risk factors floating around us, mostly in the air, but also in the water and in the built landscape of South Stockton. Matt, can you also just talk a little bit about how um, racism and redlining have played a, a serious role in the level of um, pollutants and health-related issues related in connection to environmental problems in the city, how that all kind of started in in Stockton? Yeah, for sure. This is one of the reasons why I'm just really 
thrilled to be working with Little Manila. I've been doing environmental work for a long time, sort of couched in green economy terms and green workforce terms. And it was always frustrating because we were interacting with environmental justice challenges um, as, as if we didn't know where they came from, as if there was some sort of foggy history that we were sort of peering through and addressing the symptoms of, but not really being explicit about how we got here. Um, Little Manila's focused on history, and we know that these outcomes weren't an accident, that we were planned to death 70 years ago, that we were mapped to death. The federal government and local authorities, um, from the Housing Administration to, you know, of the GI Bill to the practice of redlining that realtors used, um, they planned to disinvest in South Stockton. So it's no mystery how we got here. Uh, they decided not to build us walkable, livable communities with um, you know, the amenities of a healthy community. This was a community that was uh, fully expected to be a servant class, to work and serve first-class Californians, and uh, the conditions that they lived in weren't a priority. So, you know, uh, everything we do at Little Manila ties back to this explicit de jure bylaw racist policy setting that, that gives us the outcomes we have today. None of this is an accident and none of it's a mystery. You know, we know who did this and they did it on purpose. It makes it a whole lot easier when you acknowledge that, uh, when you start pointing to solutions. And those solutions are really anti-racist. They happen to include policy. They happen to include science. But they start with acknowledging that this is... You know, this is a derivative of 20th century white violence, and it's no accident. And so we need to be able to be explicit about that if you know, we can be taken seriously. So is the end goal of, say, Skywatch and this community-driven accountability work that you're doing, is the end goal to have that remain a community accountability system that other cities adopt, or is it eventually to, like, push politicians to actually do their jobs or these boards to actually do their jobs. I mean, where, where's the threshold tipping point for a program like that? Yeah, very much so. So, you know, I mentioned the tragic death of our founder, Don, um, you know, folks down here seem to think it's normal for everybody to have asthma. Uh, my wife was born and raised in Stockton. She has asthma. I'm raising two daughters here and I wonder every day if I'm dooming them to a shorter lifespan because we like to live in South Stockton. Um, and so the, the Dawn Project is named after our founder, Dawn, and it stands for Decreasing Asthma Within Neighborhoods. And it really is a response to a lack of leadership from the medical sector and from the public health sector, who in the most asthma-impacted region in California has no formal asthma plan. So Little Manila had to step into a space and pull together partners from you know, further flung health, health plans and health foundations um, to bring about some sort of strategy to address this really pandemic of asthma outcomes in Stockton. So Dawn works to um, identify asthma-impacted households and provide strategies for them to reduce the numbers of asthma triggers and hospitalizations that they deal with. Now, you know, a lot of that can be done by um, sort of tightening up the home, reducing outdoor air infiltration, dealing with how chemicals are stored or cooking practices in the house. But, you know, at some point, the general environment is what determines that the quality of air that you breathe and how long that you live and how you're impacted by pollution. And so that's, that's why we felt the need to 
Just as we did with Don, we had to invent a community-based response strategy to asthma impacts because, you know, formal institutions had failed to do that for us. Uh, similarly, um, nobody's, nobody's done adequate work to understand air pollution here in South Stockton. We have multiple regulatory agencies from the U.S. EPA um, to the California Air Resources Board to San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District. And they've all categorically failed in understanding our pollution and attributing sources of pollution. Uh, they just think it's normal for people to throw their garbage in the sky down here. And so uh, we're launching Skywatch uh, with community partners and residents, put up our own sensors, collect our own data, tell the truth about air pollution, and track it right back to the source to figure out who did it. So this is really um, sort of guerrilla science. Um, to, to really antagonize public health agencies and regulatory agencies that have failed to provide us with the information we need to protect ourselves. And so uh, Skywatch is really a, a, a feeder and a support of the Dawn program because it's one thing to blame people's asthma on themselves for how they manage their homes. It's another thing to uh, really point the finger at whose fault this really is. And mobile source pollution from California infrastructure and stationary source pollution from industry. So we want to lay the blame where it belongs and we want to make sure people in South Stockton understand who's doing this to them and that if we all work together, we can actually do something about those sources of pollution. The one thing that stands out uh, to me that you just said is that that notification uh, process and letting people know what's going on and we do get that when there's when it's fire season, right? Like we hear the particulate matter is too intense, but the particulate matter in South Stockton is always unhealthy. Um, can you talk about PM 2.5, what it is and what it does to the human body? Yeah, you know, um, wildfires woke everybody up, right? Even even rich people couldn't get away from it for a few hours a day before they out on an airplane to get out of the smoke. Um, but it. It, that really was a discreet, you know, um, eye-opening event around air pollution and how miserable it can make everybody. But you're also absolutely right. South Stockton is routinely polluted. We are routinely burdened in what's called PM 2.5 pollution. You know, there's there's lots of particles in the air. Um, particles can come from all sorts of sources. Uh, you know, people collect data. We will collect data on what's called PM10 and PM2.5. Uh, PM10 is bigger. That's 10 micro uh, microns across, and that's usually caused by like shearing and friction. So, like rubber tires and concrete freeways, you can spin off large particles, and these will get caught in the nose and throat and mouth, and they'll get stuck in you know in your respiratory system in the mucous membrane layers, and it's certainly not good for you, uh, but it's nowhere near as bad as PM 2.5. And PM 2.5 generally comes from combustion, usually combustion of fossil fuels, but also wood smoke like wildfires. And this is something that's 2.5 microns across, which means it's smaller than a human hair. It's like a tenth of a human hair. Uh, and it's small enough to f you know, fall past all the hairs in your nose and the mucus in your in your throat and even through the, the lung tissue itself and into the bloodstream. So it damages lung tissue, cardiac tissue, and even brain tissue. And it's directly related to low infant birth weight. Um, they're linking it now to dementia. Uh, it's 
know, it's a it's a bad way to pollute the middle of our bodies, and it's something that's just um, so common. It's, it's it's one of the most preventable mortality rate sources in the entire world, and it's a global problem. Um, and unfortunately, here in Stockton, we have the distinction of being in one of the worst air basins in all of North America. Fall to us to do something about how the United States deals with this practice of, you know, running an, an industry based on setting stuff on fire and throwing your garbage in the sky and presuming to still have profits left after that when it really comes directly from externalizing their costs into our bodies and into our health. How, how can people mobilize that consciousness into direct action? You know, what are some of the ways that people? can uh, directly affect the air quality issue in their communities here? You know, there's a there's a lot that we can do ourselves. I mean, there's some stuff that doesn't cost you anything, like setting your own garbage on fire in the backyard, uh, making sure that your own cooking equipment is clean and, and well-maintained. Um, but, you know, I'd be lying if I told you that that was the way to address air pollution here. Um, air pollution problems in Stockton are from really large structural sources like the practices of agricultural burning, state transportation systems, uh, and really a feeble effort to regulate industry, uh, particularly the shipping industry. Um, so, you know, becoming literate on uh, the sectors of emission sources that are polluting Stockton is one way. And there's, there's really been a at least in name, a sea change when it comes to the way state agencies are expected to deliver their missions in communities like Stockton. So we've seen uh, California slowly and begrudgingly wake up to the equity and environmental justice aspects of their agency work. I mean, Little Manila got an email from Caltrans the other day talking about their desire to address historic racism in their planning and implementation of Stockton. You know, my jaw dropped. I've never heard anything like that. I tried to plant trees in a Caltrans right away for 10 years. It took me 10 years to put 250 trees on a piece of land they didn't even know they owned. Um, so that's that's new and that's promising. Um, the, the really powerful political debates around uh, cap and trade program in California and that there's a lot of money being paid out around uh, you know, taxing fossil fuels um, is directly tied to equity and some communities bearing a greater burden. And I think we've made it clear that those programs are vulnerable. They're vulnerable to defunding if they don't directly address what's happening in Stockton. So I would say, you know, engaging with uh, local nonprofits that work on these issues, you know, uh, our work on the air and there's Restore the Delta on the water and there's, you know, there's a whole host of sort of niche advocacy angles, but they all tie into um, it's hopefully a new day with California state agencies and federal agencies. I think um, being literate on new initiatives in the Biden administration and the Justice 40 initiative that's realigning the budgets of every federal agency, this really is a once in a generation opportunity for people to demand more of their governments and make sure that it lands right here at home. Just real quickly before we, we hop off, um, I'm curious about AB 617 and um, the type of resources that that, that is going to provide to people and how people can access those resources. 
Yeah, cool. I'm actually really proud of some of the work that's coming out of that process. You know, AB 617 was designed to address some of the inequality that was coming out of the cap and trade program. So they identified the most impacted communities in California and they set up somewhere around $40 million for each of these communities to study their air and then address their air pollution. And for the most part, you know, state agencies like to um, buy and bolt solutions. You know, they give industry free equipment, but industry is cleaner and it's not really, it's not a bad strategy. It does improve overall air quality, but it's also not urgent, right? Setting a regulation on ocean going vessels for 2024 doesn't help anybody in my community this September. And so we really fought throughout the process to uh, use this opportunity that was supposed to allow our community to lead on improving air quality. Um, we, we took that opportunity to create economic opportunities through uh, funding an uh, electric vehicle mechanics training program through our local community college. Like This thing's a no-brainer. We buy them the equipment. Our community college can train thousands of South Stockton residents to start at hundred grand working on e-vehicles. E um, you know, you don't have to go to a four-year school to clear a hundred grand, and that's that's the kind of justice work. That's the kind of repertory work that South Stockton needs. Um, even more directly, uh, I'm proud to have been a part of getting a million dollars set aside for indoor air cleaners or air purifiers. Um, we'll be we'll be uh, helping over two thousand homes uh, get brand new indoor air filtration. Teach them how to use those. Uh, we're probably going to save a lot of money on how we decide to do that. So we should also be able to filter air in uh, community gathering centers. Um, we set aside additional funding for electrical vehicle car replacement programs. You know, there's a whole host of you know, upgrade your house with solar panels or, you know, swap your, your gas vehicle out for an electric vehicle. But, you know, you got to have some coin to get into those programs. So those automatically favor wealthier Californians uh, throughout the region. We were able to use AB 617 dollars to lower the floor for entry and to really target the geography of South Stockton. That's awesome. If you're interested in learning more about air quality issues in Stockton or would be interested in receiving a home air filter in the future, be sure to follow Little Manila Rising on Instagram and Facebook. And also be sure to stay tuned for our next episode, which will be talking about farm issues or farm worker issues. Um, air quality is an issue that is prevalent and really apparent in the cities, but it's becoming more and more important in rural areas as well. Um, as climate change worsens and industries continue to pollute without consequence, um, farm workers are some of the most exploited laborers in the country. And last year we saw that really come to a head with all of the forest fires and, um, all of the images that went viral with farm workers continuing to work out in the fields with fires approaching. So it's really important that as we think about climate change and climate disasters and what that means for all of us, that we're also thinking about all of the folks that put food on our tables. Thank you. <laughs>